Thank you for tuning in to Roll Call. The movie selected is The Wedding Planner. Hey everyone, welcome to Roll Call, the show where two childless millennials gush over movies and follow an actor's journey from their early years through their blockbuster hits. Because let's face it, we miss blockbuster. Hell yeah, and I would for sure plan my wedding motif around that blockbuster aesthetic, baby. What's up, guys? I'm Bria, and I, too, would also prioritize leaving my shoe in the street over being hit by a dumpster. (laughs) And I'm Simone, and I, like Massimo, will make you a fancy dinner of Kraft macaroni and cheese and only the finest of Franzia's red wine. So, what's up, bitches? We are now in the new millennium. We are ditching the 90s for the 2000s, but we will always party like it's 1999 or the new millennium, baby. That's right. Bust out that, bust out that icy blue eyeshadow and dust off some rhinestones because it's about to go down. Yes. The bling era is among us and Millennium Pink is called Millennium Pink for a reason. Hell yeah. So make it frosted, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So in today's episode, we'll chat about who else but Jennifer Lopez, a.k.a. at this point in time, we finally, I know I struggle with calling her Jennifer Lopez the whole podcast. I just call her J-Lo most of the time. But this is officially the era that we get J-Lo. J mm-hmm. to the L-O. Mm-hmm. So we are chatting about J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez, in the romantic comedy The Wedding Planner, co-starring who else but Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a foozy. It's a witty-watty. It's a... <laughs> <laughs> so let's take a trip back to June 26th. Oh, wait. No, shit. That is not... That's that January 26th. That's okay. Yes. Try again. <laughs> So let's take a trip back to January 26, 2001 to the wedding planner. So I will get into what was happening the year, the month that it came out, mostly 2001. Let's get into some big fashion moments because... Who doesn't love early aughts fashion? We know Gen Z does all of a sudden. (laughs) Um, So Bjork wears the swan dress to the Uh, Oscars. (laughs) Isn't that dress, isn't that dress in some kind of art music? Like not the MoMA, but like some kind of Smithsonian. Smithsonian, is it? Yeah, I feel like it should be if it's not. That and the green dress J-Lo wore, I'm just saying. Yes, saying. Also, that belongs in the Smithsonian. Justin and Brittany's matching denim outfits. (laughs) Oh, iconic! (laughs) Iconic. In couple news, we have um, some splits. Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman finally call it quits in two thousand and one. You've seen those iconic pictures of her like walking out from her lawyer's office, right? She looks so happy, right? Yes. Yeah, she's just like arms open. Oh man. It's like an allergy pill commercial. It's a brand new day. Oh my god, I can totally picture. 
<laughs> Although that song was definitely used for like Vagisil or like gen <laughs> like genital herpes, not allergies, but it's okay. It's still a good jingle. Yes. So also very relevant. Jennifer Lopez breaks up with Puff Daddy. Oh man. Yes, Sean Puffy Combs and J Lo are no longer a couple. Womp, womp, womp. Um, iconic performances. Britney Spears performed Slave for You at the VMAs with the Boa Python. Uh. Just seared into my little childhood brain. <laughs> And I think if you go to wax museums, that's the what they chose the Britney to be. She, I, mean, I have. Either, it should be that or the, um, I forget the song, but the like nude sparkly suit. Oh, that's, that's, I think when she did, oops, I did it again. Yeah, whatever. It, it should be either of those, those yeah. two looks like chef's kiss <laughs> like, so good whoever. there's definitely like a disposable camera picture of me standing next to that pick that wax statue and i know this is not a visual podcast but my face was extremely awkward and i'm gonna make it for you right now bria it was something like <laughs> <laughs> okay so just just so you know what simone's face evokes to me is like um this is nice, but weird, but okay, take the picture. <laughs> like, Why is my mom asking me to stand next to this and take a picture? <laughs> I don't know. That's how family trips are. Just go ahead, sweetie, go scoot closer. <laughs> <laughs> don't be shy. <laughs> uh, we also get the iconic um, group, I don't ensemble of lady marmalade with christina aguilera oh. pink maya little kim composed by missy elliott like you know what i will say we are in an era of female rappers and missy elliott please do us some service and compose something for all these female rappers and r&b singers to do together because i think we could have another moment yes Just say. Um, and other music news, I just put this because I care about this. <laughs> Survivor, the album by Destiny's Child, comes out in 2001. Yes, the, the album of my childhood. Simone, I, I'm going to put you on the spot. What were you listening to, you think, in 2001? Literally everything you just said. Um, okay. But I, <laughs> I also, this is when I started to really get into, like, alternative grunge punk and like pop punk um thanks to having a, an older sister who had started to introduce that to me so in 2001 i was in six on the cusp of seventh grade um which is weird because that's the age range of kids that i teach now but uh, <laughs> i had started to listen heavily to like newfound glory alkaline trio saves the day um, Blink-182, Green Day, No Doubt. Um, but then like on the other strange and weird side, because I was getting in musical influence by my sister, it was also like Corn, Slipknot, <laughs> System of a Down, my wow. mother, Limp Bizkit, like <laughs> my poor mother. <laughs> She's like, I just want you to take a picture next to Britney Spears, Simone. Like, why do you have to also be such a shit? 
Um, <laughs> but I still too like loved. I mean, I had the Destiny Child Survivor album. I played Lady Marmalade on repeat. Mulan Rouge was huge. Like I saw it in the theater. Um, yeah. So like any, even though I was like still very heavy into like punk and rock music, um, my like teen, I was still going to Backstreet Boys concerts. I went to the Destiny's Child and Christina Aguilera like co-lining concert. I was I think still. I also went to the TRL tour around this time. Yes. Yes. That was my first concert. Yeah. If I haven't already mentioned this in this podcast, it will probably come up throughout <laughs> our run. <of> this. <laughs> but yes, that sounds. That sounds amazing. I too, once I got into middle school, I think that's just like the rite of passage in middle school is to discover alternative like angsty music. It's just some, it's a chip that gets switched on and you're just like, yes, I wasn't as hardcore as you. I was very surface level, like pop punk, <laughs> but um, yes, for a black girl, that that is a time that I hold dear to my heart. So in TV news, um, Sex and the City won their first Emmy and is also just like a major thing. I'm also sure that The Sopranos is probably a major thing right now on cable TV. The West Wing was also a big show. Um, Survivor, the TV show, the reality TV show. Um, but to Survivor, the TV show, wins an Emmy, so major news. And sad, but um, I think very poignant, is Aaliyah passed away in a plane crash, yeah. leaving the set of her Rock the Boat video, which <sighs> I remember where I was. Do you remember where you were when you found out that news? If it was on a weekday, we definitely tuned into it because TRL would have been covering it all day. I think it was a weekend and it was in the summer. Oh. So I remember, okay, so I was in Reno with my uncle and his family and he like called us and he was like, hey, you guys, he was like, Aaliyah died. And I, I called him a liar and, and a black family loves to know that. <laughs> like he did not, I was like, or I didn't call him a liar. I was like, you're lying. Like, and he was like, like sternly like no I'm not and don't ever like kind of like <laughs> and don't you ever say that and he's like no look watch the so we saw on the news as well they were reporting mm. that and like I just that's the first time probably since like Selena the movie that I was like so she's just not gonna be here anymore like it's a hard thing to grasp yeah. at that age. Yeah. Especially a celebrity, because it's like they're not in your day-to-day, but I loved Aaliyah more than I loved Beyonce probably at that time. So like that was just devastating. But and I, I think too. Uh I know. And just the the nature of how it happened. It's like one of those things that's like it is a freak accident and plane crashes are rare, but when they happen, they're all the more scary. Um yeah. And like we've lost a lot of influential music ar- music artists from from plane crashes, and yeah, but, it's kind of crazy how yeah. that happens frequently. But you're well, not lately, but yeah, right. Well, but I think I think you're right though. Thinking back on it, I it wasn't on TRL, but we probably would have just had MTV on or VH1 on all day, and the VJs would have been covering it. The like different music journalists dude, um what's his name with mtv news it's like kirk 
Kurt Loder or yeah. whatever. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. Oh, man. When he came on, you knew some shit was popping off. Like, you're yeah. like, uh-oh. Uh-huh. We're not watching music videos. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the real world. It, it was like, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So um, I also shared a list of the top songs from 2001 if you want to peruse and if you see anything that jumps out at you that you're like, oh. Yes, that is a jam for me. Alicia Keys Falling was amazing. I had the Alicia oh, Keys braids yes. when I was in fourth grade. All for You by Janet Jackson, iconic. And then, of course, Jennifer Lopez, I'm Real I'm with Ja Rule. And um, I can't go. And then just so many independent women, Destiny's Child, um, Shaggy, it wasn't me. Oh my. And even like Let Me Blow Your Mind with Eve and Gwen Stefani. I love that song. Yes. That is like one of the best collaborations of like people from two different worlds and genres yes. that like yes. from our era at least, because of course you have Run DMC, Aerosmith, but mm-hmm. like that. Gwen Stefani and Eve, they were holding it down for the girls. Like, truly, I was like, I want to be on a four wheeler in a bikini top, (laughs) singing, (laughs) singing with my friend Simone. Let's recreate that. I'm so down. Okay, on a on a totally unrelated note, though. So because that's when that song was released, like that actually got me a little bit more into Eve, and um one so i i hope you didn't perform love is blind no 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 (laughs) no i did not but so eve is has these tattoos she has these infamous tattoos of paw prints like above her curvature of her breasts and there was a um a bar mitzvah that i went to that had (laughs) there was a bar mitzvah that i went to where like some of the entertainment was like a henna tattoo, like airbrush tattoo. And can you imagine me? I had this like hot topic kind of like black and white polka dot pin dress. And that was like my nice mitzvah dress. And I wore like a little cardigan that had cherries on it because again, like I was getting really into like the rockabilly punk scene. And then yeah, I go, I go up to funny. a full grown, yeah, yes. And I go up to a full grown man and I'm like, can you give me a things and he was so professional and such a pro but i wonder sometimes if that man thinks back at that experience and was like i painted bear bear paws on a 12 year old way up high like i wasn't like here you go daddy i was just like yeah because you know the the dress was like a sweetheart line so it was like a oh bit of a <laughs> i don't think I my swear parents... sometimes oh, my your saw. life you should write a sitcom <laughs> because like what <laughs> I know. Oh my I know. That is amazing. Oh I thought I was so cool. It lasted for a long time. Uh, yes. All right. Well, also looking at this list, at this time, I wasn't listening to these songs, but I have a great appreciation for them now after I enjoyed alternative music. Hanging by the Moment by Lifehouse was number one song of t- 2001. Interesting. Drops of Jupiter. 
No, not a fan. I'm, I'm not a trained fan, to be honest. And when I used to set an alarm as a middle schooler, for whatever reason, at 6.45 when I set my alarm, it was na, 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 na. And I just, <laughs> I ended up, I felt like it was Groundhog's Day every day. I was waking up to the same <laughs> I hate that song. Oh, man. All right. Well, that's a valid reason to hate that song. <laughs> All right. So I was very long. We've been very long winded because 2001, the 2000s are just glorious. But let's get into the movies of mm -hmm. that month and that year. So that month, the same month of um, January that the wedding planner came out, uh, Vanilla Sky came out with Tom Cruise and Penelope Cruz. Mm -hmm. Enigma, have no clue what that is, but Sugar and Spice, which to me is like a teen movie classic, like also another cheerleader classic movie. That's the one where it, one gets pregnant and they rob the bank, right? Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and then um, earlier in January, we got the iconic Save the Last Dance. Yes, which I remember watching when it came on TV because I never got taken to the movies, apparently, or we might have rented it. But it's hilarious because in this day and age, so many people on TikTok have pointed out like how terrible the dance choreography <laughs> is from Save the Last Dance and how gullible we were as youths in that time when we watched it and we were just like, oh, man, she's killing it and she totally no no uh qualms to julia styles but it did not age well so um yeah <laughs> and then and then by the end of it they, the judges just look at each other and go like off the record welcome to juilliard i was like that never <laughs> happens that would never happen no, no it would not also it's like one of the first movies for me that i remember um and also J-Lo and Puffy, but like um, interracial couples, mm -hmm. like that was a big thing for me. I was like, what? Also, I just want to note the flawless ever eternally 20, like her name should be forever 21. Bianca Lawson is in Save the Last Dance, who is also Beyonce's stepsister at this point. Oh. And um she's she's the girl that he used to date who's like all bitchy at the club oh. yes and tell uh tell me what you want from me by mace in total that shit still slaps but <laughs> <laughs> yes and huh. then for 2001 i have added a screenshot of some major movies that came out that year and what jumps out at you Oh, I mean, can I say all of them? I, we have Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone if you're from England. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember, yeah, we saw that in theaters. It might have been a day of premiere or like if they were doing midnight premieres at that point. Um, I was I'm so salty about that movie because I was so into the first book and, you know, all that harry potter gloriness but the teacher i read that book with i was no longer in her class but her class that year <gasps> they went on a field trip to see harry potter and i was just like devastated and that is like one of the first dvds i got because i was like i need this movie mom <laughs> like, yeah man i'm not for you that'd be i'd be really salty about that too 
Should have uh, took the whole school. <laughs> yeah. It, or like out. or all the classes that would have read it because we definitely listened to that on cassette and then like followed along in the text. Yeah. But yeah, so that's my hair <laughs> Um, we also have Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. I recently watched the the trilogy again, director's cut edition. It's a nice film series that's very lovely produced. I just I it's it's not a fantasy series that's for me personally. Um we got Monsters Inc. We got Shrek, which is like DreamWorks is hitting its stride at this point. Like, fuck you, ants. Like, make room for Shrek. (laughs) Shrek is going to dominate um, with Ocean's Eleven, Pearl Harbor, The Mummy Returns, or should I say (laughs) The Daddy Returns, and Jurassic Park 3. So, I mean, honestly, like, you can name off any of those movies and I'd be like, yep, 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 all great. Yes, classics in in the movie department. So, Simone, a big part of movie making is the budget. Can you give us some numbers? What did it cost and what did it make? Yes. So the budget of this movie was roughly $35 million. On opening weekend, just within the United States, it grossed $13.5 million. So closing box office on January 28th with a 20, January 26th release. But total worldwide gross, including the U.S., and I guess that would be like domestic and international, was about 94.7 million. So overall considered pretty successful, but I wonder how different it would have been if it was released a month later in February as like more of a Valentine's Day movie. Uh, But it still would have been- January release would have carried over. Oh yeah, it's definitely still would have been playing over Valentine's weekend, but I'm just wondering if like opening weekend, if they would have had more people seeing it. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I am surprised it, um, because I believe it was like the number one movie at that time. Uh Uh-huh. So I'm surprised it didn't make that much money the first weekend to be the number one movie but i mean it wasn't really in great company either i doubt sugar and spice like i mean it's a great movie i like that movie but like sugar and spice vanilla sky enigma i'm i'm not really like all right i don't know what i should see (laughs) (laughs) um well you know what's interesting so fun fact that kind of relates to the movies that were top of 2001 is that did you know who is going to originally play matthew mcconaughey's character of dr steve yes and i was hoping you didn't find out so i could fun fact you (laughs) (laughs) all right well fun fact me then pretend i don't know no (laughs) no go ahead lay it on us Brendan Fraser, a.k.a. B. Frage, a.k.a. Everyone's Mummy Daddy, was actually set to play Dr. Steve slash Eddie, um, but he had scheduling conflicts earlier when he was making the movie Bedazzled and then like went straight from Bedazzled um, to The Mummy Returns. So he was... Uh, that makes so much sense. Yes. He was busy. So, Simone, we watch this movie together which mm-hmm. is the first time we've done this for the uh-huh. podcast so that was fun um but i kind of know what you think about the movie what did the critics think 
Oh, <laughs> all right. I made sure to keep the tab open for this one because Lil Raj had a lot of things to say about this movie. Do you want to guess how many stars? Mm, maybe two and a half. Very close. He subtracted a half and gave it two out of five stars. I was I was being generous to him giving it a half star, but two was like my guess. Yeah, totally. So he, uh, uh, Roger Ebert has a lot of things to say. Um, a memorable quote to me that kind of sticks out is um, that this is the movie cannot abide common sense and it more recycles decades of cliches about the wrong people getting married on and the right ones making stupid decisions um he does also say a plot like this is so hopeless that only acting can redeem it lopez pulls her share of the load looking genuinely smitten by this guy and convincingly crushed when his secret is revealed but mcconaughey is not the right actor for this material um, he actually suggests that she would have been better off paired with a Ben Affleck, which is interesting because he did this. He did this review pre Benifer. Pre Benifer. Um, he also suggested Alec Baldwin, which mm -mm, that would be a no go for me. Ben Stiller, George Clooney, or Matt Dillon. Now I can see. I could see George Clooney just based on their chemistry from out of sight alec baldwin a 2001 alec baldwin maybe um but i think with a ben stiller it would have been too much of a comedy and less about romance i think it, he would have been too funny but i think matt dillon or george clooney out of his suggestions could have easily fit i don't know i love matthew mcconaughey in this and in, in rom-coms so oh I yeah and Sorry, I think Lil this Raj. was <laughs> I think this was both Jennifer Lopez and Matthew McConaughey's first rom-com. Um yeah. and I kind of liked their sweet and innocent chemistry, although there's a lot of about the movie that I can pick apart kind of similar to like there's a lot that I do agree with uh with Roger Ebert on this one. Um but he just says that McConaughey was just a little too like a a little too sweet and innocent from from this for, for for this role in particular i'm just i'm wondering like what he wanted <laughs> like i i think overall he just he was like I, I he feels like the plot was contrived there was too many tropes about romantic comedies that were overused um and too much that there were just things that just didn't really make sense like he too was also very disappointed in the fact that mcconaughey slash dr steve does not reveal that he is engaged until i don't know halfway through the film at this point <laughs> yeah and so he's just like that was really stupid <laughs> yeah i mean so when we watched it of course we were commentating and talking to each other and pointing stuff out like that and i mean while while i i can see where you can pick apart a movie like that part of me is just like i mean 
that's what rom-coms are like they don't really make sense they're like very contrived fairy tale versions of what we hope and think love might be mm-hmm. and that is why so many of us are so doomed because we're like i'm waiting on my meat cute like when is that gonna happen that is it, right yeah it might not happen but um I did cheat a little bit and read some other reviews. I didn't read Ebert's review, but I I got the sense that most critics were panning the plot and some of the things that happened, some of the lack of comedy things, like it could have been stronger on that side. But I do think it's a pretty romantic movie. Mm-hmm. And I think if it was less, I don't know, less this weird like two people kind of in semi in relation in a relationship in in a weird like arranged situation it probably would have worked better because Mm -hmm. of but yeah well little Raj I I don't I don't agree with your two stars so and so what would you oh well we'll get we'll get to that at the end with our pumps of butter (laughs) one one last thing though I will say so when you would ask what does he want secretly what Lil Raj wanted he he thought one of the stupidest parts of the film was when they are walking through the gardens of trying to like find the like they pick the venue and they knock over the statue and the penis of the statue falls off into Matthew McConaughey's hand and then they tried to super glue it back on and then it gets stuck in his hand and <laughs> Ebert it's like I would have preferred if if the penis stayed stuck to his hand and that served as some kind of plot device for like later. Like it was one of those things where it like <laughs> couldn't come off. <laughs> I mean, that's taking it to like a Steve Martin level of comedy, <laughs> I think, like where it's just like he big said, gags. <laughs> he said um mary has some crazy glue in her purse and they try to glue the franken beans back in place but alas the broken part becomes stuck to steve's palm if he had gone through the rest of the movie like that it might have added some interest <laughs> but no mary had some solvent in her purse when you have seen jennifer lopez ungluing marble genitals from the hand of the man she loves you have more or less seen everything <laughs> I mean, I, I I thought that movie was funny for the time. I I don't know that it adds anything to the story or ages well. I did read a review that said they wish that they focused on, like in the beginning of the movie, how there's that montage of her at the wedding. Like if they had more elements of comedy due to like the nature of shit going wrong at yeah. weddings. Mm-hmm. And I I agree. I was like. That's a good point. That would have been more interesting than her walking around with him planning the wedding. But they have to like have time together. And that was the force of them like realizing this wasn't a fluke and like having chemistry without trying to actually date and stuff. So whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't know the wedding planner if you've never watched it we do have a little synopsis courtesy of the press release which i thought was very official 
your wedding day. It must be glorious. It must be perfect. It must be the most memorable, idyllic, and overwhelmingly love-filled occasion of your life. And there's only one person who can make this dream become a glowing reality, the wedding planner. Hold on. Did you write this? No, it's the press really. Oh, I was going to say, I was like, this is really good. <laughs> but this time, the one who makes everyone else's dreams come true, A-list San Francisco wedding planner, Mary Fiore, played by Jennifer Lopez, has finally found the man of her dreams. Or has she? While celebrating her newest and most lucrative account, the wedding of internet tycoon Fran Donnelly, played by Brigitte Wilson-Sampras, Mary is rescued from a near-fatal collision with a runaway dumpster by handsome... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just thinking of a runaway dumpster of like... <laughs> that's that it's a funny image it is it is funny <laughs> by handsome pediatrician steve edison played by matthew mcconaughey after spending the most enchanting evening of their lives together mary thinks she finally found a reason to believe in love what she doesn't know is that cupid and her career are about to collide head on in the wedding planner dun dun and i mean okay so that is not a movie trailer but doesn't, doesn't that get the juices flowing? You're like, ah, this sounds... I'm intrigued. I mean, I outwardly, outwardly, the description was good. And I saw this movie as a kid in the theaters. I think I saw it at a sleepover. I was not with my parents. and the, I, But I do remember that my friend's parents telling my mom the next day of what we saw. And then just like she gave my mom a little heads up about the genitals part. <laughs> Like, by the way, this happened in the theater. Okay, all right, here, take your child back. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, I. So that's the synopsis of the movie. If you haven't seen the wedding planner, shame on you. What were you doing in the two thousands? Okay, <laughs> if you weren't watching rom coms. Um. So let's talk about the cast. Obviously, we have JLo, we have Matthew McConaughey in his first rom com, but I think the first of many. To me, he is one of the like main rom com guys that consistently is turning them out. Also, I watched How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days Friday because it was on Bravo. So I was like, yes. Oh my God. I'll just little Matthew McConaughey uh, rom com marathon. Sign me up um but so you mentioned earlier that brendan frazier was supposed to play dr steve edison mm -hmm. but did you know also that he was supposed to play him alongside jennifer love hewitt oh no i read someone else in the role or who was up for the role in addition to jennifer lopez i didn't know jennifer love hewitt was going yes. to originally play so allegedly that's who he was paired with. And then after that didn't happen, it was supposed to be Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Geller, And that didn't work out for some reason. So then we get Jennifer Lopez and Matthew McConaughey. Mm -hmm. who to me, I'm like, I'm glad it worked out that way because I'm also surprised like Kate Hudson that he hasn't done another movie with her. Mm -hmm. Although in an interview or like they were talking about the wedding planner 20 years later, um, JLo did say like, we need to do something together again. It's been yeah. too long. Yeah. And I am 
I'm in the movie with popcorn and sour patch kids ready for I would I would M&Ms. oh yeah I oh, mean yeah I'm ready with my pumps of butter for that one I would see them again. yeah yeah um so I mean I don't have too many qualms about the casting of anything I think Matthew to me I like Matthew McConaughey in this movie despite Lil Rogers uh <laughs> disagreement um I let when we were watching it I pointed out to me that um Bridget Wilson Sampras's character friend Donnelly reminded me a lot of Meredith Blake from The Parent Trap. So mm-hmm. bravo on that casting. Except she wasn't as bitchy. No, she was actually a good bride. Yeah, I don't think she was mean. I think she just was like a rich girl who wanted a really bougie wedding and felt kind of forced to like make it happen and get married fast. Yeah. Yeah, which reminds you of Meredith and her parents when they go to, ironically, in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. So very Meredith Blake vibes with Sans, like, evil potential stepmother vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a young Justin Chambers as Massimo mm-hmm. with his uh, brilliant <laughs> Italian accent. Yeah, he got ripped apart for that one. It was pretty bad. I imagine so. so yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, as someone who doesn't really know what to expect and as a child, I thought it was great, <laughs> but I'm sure it's not very authentic. Well, and I think an Italian accent's one of those things that is so over-stereotypicalized, and, and I don't think that's a word, but I'm going to say it anyways, it, and that it's so overdone and easy to kind of overdo, um, kind of like faking a really heavy Southern accent. accent or a French oh, yeah. accent or something, and it's a, a overplaying an Italian accent can be really easy to do but it's like a very fine cross of like you don't sound authentic at all like you sound like you're someone who's making fun of an italian <laughs> yeah but, yeah totally yeah i think I because don't... massimo is like a sweet person gen genuinely uh, that he didn't come across as like douchey yeah so props to them not writing him like that i also am curious like why they didn't I mean, I, I can't think of an Italian actor off the top of my head, but, you know, why not give that opportunity to someone else who fit, who could have did it properly? But um, what about also- Paolo from <laughs> Lucy McGuire? <laughs> nope, just kidding. Was he even Italian? He probably wasn't even Italian. <laughs> um but also we get Judy Greer as Jennifer Lopez's co-worker, Penny who I think Jeter is always somebody's quirky sidekick best friend. So I was like, oh, there she is. Also, which is funny, is in the in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, you have Katherine Hahn. And they mm-hmm. are like totally interchangeable in that role, like of quirky, weird best friend. And they are very aware of that with each other, that their careers are pretty much like it's it's me and you back and forth yep. pretty much mm-hmm. um who else 
I noticed Lou Myers just because he was on a different world and he had some funny one-liners. Also, Kathy Najimi Mm -hmm. from Hocus Pocus. Do you want to say what you thought about her hair in this movie? (laughs) Yes, I I do not. Sorry, Kathy. I do not think you look good as a blonde. It did not work for me. The styling of it, too, is very, like, mullety and... I want to speak to your manager I didn't I, I agree I didn't care for it yeah and I mean I also kind of didn't buy her as like some like high level wedding planning business owner boss lady like mm-hmm. but I mean like I expected basically a another version of Mary times 10 in like oh, more like even more type a did you know that the that the groomsman that Mary was like feeding the speech lines into in that movie is her husband. Is Kathy's husband? Kathy's husband, yeah, in real life. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's a fun fact. <laughs> so uh, you had a question. Would you rather um with the cast, Matthew McConaughey or Justin Chambers? Mm-hmm. Um, I had already said Matthew McConaughey, but I'm gonna flip it on you. Who would you rather? I'm gonna cop. I'm gonna say the same thing as you are. I'm going Matthew McConaughey. I think he would be an interesting romp in the hay. I think he would. I would. I just would like to go to his house. I think that he would have a really nice wine and liquor selection. Like he probably has some really nice. Not that I drink this. But really nice, like, bourbons and whiskeys, like, sipping tequilas or something. Like, I can see him having... Yes, he probably has peyote. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I feel like he has peyote and, like, a waterbed. So, like, if you had a sleepover at his house, even if you weren't going to be doing anything sexual, it would just be like, I'm having a great time at Matthew McConaughey's house. Yeah. I just... Matthew McConaughey is, like... I'm not 100% sure what enigma means, but I'm pretty sure he's an enigma. Yeah. He's he, his own thing. Yeah. And I will say that, like, the story of him getting arrested for playing his congas naked is just <laughs> iconic. And just, I mean, talk about a romantic fantasy. Like, that sounds hot to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then um, his when before he got married to Camilla Owls, he was very much like the beach guy and Mm -hmm. I believe he lived in an airstream which I just thought like that that just screams cool he just seems like a cool guy and adventurous and you definitely would like have some stories to tell after dating him like totally and justin chambers i think is attractive but he falls on the line of too pretty boy for me because wasn't he he was like a calvin klein model was he? I, I didn't think, know that. I think he was. I just know I just know him from Grey's Anatomy, really. But yeah. um Justin Chambers, I think he's good looking too. Um, but yeah, Matthew McConaughey has the personality. Like he has an edge. Yeah, there's an interview with him and Jennifer Lopez. I wanna say it's for Cosmopolitan, where they were the cover story, and so it was them and it was him and her and they both answered the same questions and his answers are just quite essentially <laughs> you're just like a teenager just like oh, 
I want to date a guy like that. Like just different and, you know, not standard. And you're just like, yes, mm-hmm. A plus Matthew. Um, so we both this time watched interviews and more so so that like I kind of know what you're talking about or vice versa. But I'm going to lead you let you lead the conversation on uh, cast interviews. Yes. All right. So the one that I had um, kind of talked with you about earlier was the um, E uh, entertainment live interview, Um, kind of more of like a press junket style interview, but it was her uh, Jennifer Lopez, Matthew McConaughey and Justin Chambers together. Um, And which I don't know. I feel like poor Bridget got a little shade Aww. there. Yeah. Like being fourth build is one thing, but I feel like she plays just as big of a role as Massimo does. I can yeah. under- obviously understand like the two leading roles, but I'm like, oh, I don't know. I would have liked to have seen her. Um, Cause I know Judy Greer has done not maybe necessarily interviews for this film, but when she like goes on, you know talk shows she's talked about her experiences and all of her little side parts and some of her like favorite actors and actresses to work with and she had said when she met jennifer lopez that she was like so starstruck and like really nervous to work with her (laughs) oh and she's she looks so young here so i i can imagine like she probably she's not the judy greer we like know as of now obviously Mm -hmm. so and j-lo's star was very much risen at this time so i can imagine being starstruck by her (laughs) she hath risen yes this this. was post grammy's dress and from there everything was just like on fire she's on fire (laughs) makes me think of grand theft auto (laughs) (laughs) Um, so in that E news air in that E interview, um, they talked about like, what was the overall message of the film and something that Jennifer Lopez had said, which I thought was really interesting because it's almost like a strange foreshadowing to some of her later relationships was that she had said, I think the message is don't settle for what you think life is supposed to be. And she goes on to say, we all give up. Um, you know, as we 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 get older, we kind of give up this dream and fantasy um, and that if you've been with someone for a long time, that it feels just kind of like, oh, it's a logical step. Let's might as well. We might as well get married. Um, but she's like, but it's a really big decision and one that should be thought of like very carefully and stuff. And I was like, I don't know. I just thought that that was very interesting because she is someone who's infamously known for her dating history, which we will get to in a special mini up. But um, what do you think? I I, I did kind of like oh, okay, take your own advice, Jennifer. <laughs> yeah, but I have also watched so many interviews at this point of Jennifer Lopez talking somewhat about her love life and in a very current newer at least post 2019 interview I'm not sure the year she has said that she has learned that um her dating style is very much to like to deal with a breakup is to find someone new to help her deal with that so she's very much like skipping to the next relationship and she's like she really believes in love and she's a monogamous. So it's not like 
fleeing situations she's very much like jumping into a full-on relationship usually it's not a casual like okay you helped me get over this breakup bye they usually last pretty long and either turn into something or you know fizzle out or whatever but um I just think that's part of like her at this point and she knows that about herself so props to her for being Mm self-aware as we know as of right now she just broke up with Alex Rodriguez Mm -hmm. so part of me is like I I'm glad you're self-aware but I don't know that you've learned anything from your past situations but I commend her as someone who is very hesitant about dating myself I commend her for being able to jump into relationships and overlook a lot of stuff or seemingly, I think, overlook a lot of stuff. In an interview, she did say like, you know, sometimes you overlook stuff and you're like, oh, but I really like him. Um, And you give them the benefit of the doubt. But anyways, yeah. So I I think that's an interesting, like, oh, hmm. Yeah. And like what you had brought up earlier about um the the just general chemistry that McConaughey and Lopez had in this film I thought I thought it was good I didn't think it was as good as George Clooney but that's just my personal opinion but I still think that like as much as I love Brandon Fraser Matthew McConaughey just seemed right for this kind of role and it was a really good jumping platform for both of them to get into that romantic comedy world um, because it can be kind of difficult to get into but I think it can be just as hard to get out of once you're like typecasted into these like rom-com pretty boy silly girl kind of uh kind of roles but one thing that I thought was really cute is that this film premiered right when the Golden Globes were happening and even though this movie was not up for any nominations because it was just about to be released they went to the Golden Globes together as like a little friend couple (laughs) I thought that was cute and um part of me was like oh like sometimes that's a promo move you know to put the stars like on the red carpet together so that they can interview together and answer questions. And it allows fans to buy into, you know, the on-screen romance of it all. And I mean, hold, hold the phone. Look at this. I think they do look really cute together. Yes. So I, mm-hmm. I, I added another picture cause now uh-huh. I'm just like, now I'm like, oh, what could have been? Yeah, but I, uh, his I jawline is so good. Please Google Jennifer Lopez Golden Globe 2001 and you will come across uh, plenty of pictures of her and Matthew McConaughey together at the Golden Globes looking like a possible uh, a possible couple. Well, things between her and P. Diddy were kind of on the rocks by this point because, and, yes. and I know, again, we'll get that in, more in depth in that mini up that someone had asked like oh where's sean where's puff daddy and he had i think where the golden globes are held um he had like put a bunch of like posters or like put like billboard pictures yeah to like kind of be like hey i'm not here with you at this uh premiere but i am like gonna show you that I'm spending my money on you and that I'm supporting you in other ways but it felt like he was never really with her for like movie stuff it was more for like music events yeah 
Yeah, that is true because their big, you know, things I remember are the Grammys, which is musical, the right. VMAs, which uh-huh. is musical. Uh-huh. Um, they did not go to the Golden Globes or the Oscars together, I don't think. So, and I believe she said he was at um, a company retreat. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Because someone, I think it was either like that really skeevy Jay Leno interview or someone had asked her about it and she's like, oh, he was on a retreat. And I kind of like the idea of thinking about like, she probably asked Puff Daddy to go first. He said, no, I'm going on this business treat. And then she calls up Matthew and be like, hey do you want to come with me to the gold like i don't know i just think of this like very innocent thing of like will you come with me to the golden globes i think it would be really fun and i could just see them like like talking shit about people be like just kind of having fun yeah steaks like you're just there to look good and enjoy and whatever yeah i um i also what was i gonna say oh in the golden globes interview of them on the red carpet together the guy the male interviewer um the guy kind of asked her like a thing about like she's like oh you've been kind of in the press a lot lately about some incidents and you can tell j-lo is like so uncomfortable because um the shooting incident with her and puff daddy in the club happened and obviously she's there to promote her job her work and her film and she's not even with him at at attending Mm -hmm. but he still brings it up and it's funny because i think she handled it really well you can see she's uncomfortable but at the same time their conversation kind of gets very low in the audio mm-hmm. and you can barely hear like some of the stuff he's asking her and and but she's like very like straight to the point just like yeah but you know blah 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 like and there's always stuff in the it. press about me yeah she, yeah she she's a really good interviewer now that we've had the chance to watch a lot of her different stuff like she's very natural at answering questions she's very personable very likable um very and perky it, yeah it didn't it doesn't sound like it's too rehearsed and um i'm guessing you watched the jay leno interview <laughs> okay to quote my own self um my soul has left my body after watching that interview, we might just make a small segment on this show about how much I fucking hate Jay Leno. Just, just Simone I, ragging on Jay Leno's interviews with Jennifer Lopez. Oh my <laughs> God. Yeah. So, I mean, what's not to hate when he, so Jennifer is wearing this like really pretty, like black gaucho pants and a white blouse but her white blouse is unbuttoned to show a like a bralette cami underneath and that's the first thing he talks about is like oh i like your i like your and jennifer's like what my bra because that's what you're looking at like yeah she's so (laughs) open about it and he's just like well that's the thing like guys are in a tough decision because we don't know if we're supposed to look there or not and then he's like let me just get it out of the way and like openly looks at her breasts he pulls up pictures of her in vanity fair and rolling stone and she's wearing almost like a princess leia kind of like in the dungeon outfit where with like the it's like a matching bra and underwear set and she's holding a sword and so he's like, oh, very like, you like to be in those kind of dominant roles, dominant. Yeah. Gross. And, <laughs> um, and then 
he does point out something that we've alluded to about JLo that she is really comfortable in herself, that she is comfortable in her own skin. And um, he's like, well, you seem like someone who's very comfortable, like not like all those other whiny women out there who hate their bodies. Oh my God, I hated that. And I was like, it's like fuckers like you that we get these quote unquote whiny women who hate himself. Like, and you know (laughs) what I want to say in 2021, I just bravo to young people, millennials, Gen Z, everybody for recognizing like on TikTok, I, I'm going to mention TikTok a lot as a <laughs> reference point, but on TikTok, people are like, you know what? I realize if I stopped caring about the male gaze, mm-hmm. I feel so much better and I, I will dress how I want to dress or not feel like I can't do this or that because, you know, men are going to look at me or blah, blah, blah. And I think that him saying that is the epitome of that. We uh-huh. get shit on whether we look, we're confident like JLo or we're self-conscious like other women. And the reason most of the time we're self-conscious is not other women, it's men. And I just want to say, even though women can be catty, a lot of times that's still male like driven because we're put, pit against each other in a way where it's like, well, if she's being slutty and I'm not, then clearly she's going to get the attention that I kind of want, but I'm not confident enough to put myself out there like that and at the root of it is all attention of men mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely i could not agree more it's so <laughs> and i think that's one thing that i have really appreciated with since the me too movement that there has been it a shift it's not perfect but there has been a shift in the types of interview questions that women get and the types of interview questions that men get and that um that people are being held more accountable for their actions i i guess as a total side note that has nothing to do with this podcast i just from the body image issues that you and i have and everyone else in our generation have worked through um I just hope for for younger Gen Zs or Gen uh, Generation Alpha, you know, like our like my current students, that there are enough positive influencers out there that they don't have to. Like, I just want this cycle to end so bad. Yeah, I I do, and I know that um, watching was it watching the movie. Yes, yes that opening movie. scene the first spoken line of this is a bride who's being who's getting ready for her big day and she's like i look so fat and then i looked at you as we we're facetiming watching this movie and i'm like god <laughs> like <laughs> oh, this is why this is why we have men. like it's what's what's that tiktok i think this is gonna fuck with me this is gonna mess with me mentally <laughs> oh my god theme song of my life absolutely yes that and she's like bitching about her thighs which lady you're in a wedding dress no one can see your thighs no one can like, see your thighs no one can see your thighs but i mean even even consuming JLo content from the early 2000s, like so much of this time period is, you know, abs and midriff and crop tops and low rise jeans. And oh God, Gen Z, 
you don't know what you're doing trying to bring some of this shit back. Like you really don't. We have ventured into high rise and and um stuff like that for a reason (laughs) like i hope to god if these low-rise jeans with the microscopic zipper as mama yamshan used to say like remember the like the shoestring ones like yeah the lace-up ones i saw i want to say either j-lo was performing or i think i think she was performing that i watched and she had on a pair like that with like the lace-up front and i was just like oh god no it looks great on her but i'm just like god yes no no one else could wear that no no it's just it sets such a sad and unrealistic expectation and maybe that's why i tend to like shy away from rom-coms now because the past I haven't seen a lot i want to say maybe the last romantic comedy i watched was Trainwreck starring Amy Schumer and um, Bill Hader. But Amy Schumer like has her own thing going on in yeah. terms of like body stuff. But like, I don't know. I, I That's why I kind of shied away from it because it just used these tropes about wanting to appeal to the male gaze, which I think is a really good segment into our next into our next segment about like focusing on Jennifer's role, how it compares to her other roles. This is her first rom-com and if this movie would hold up to today. Yes, yes, yes. So let's get into the acting chops of none other than, than Jennifer Lopez. Um, I guess I'll go first. I I don't know if this how true this is for this movie because I also tried to look this up, but it's said on IMDb that Jayla was nominated for a Razzie for worst actress. Aww. And I'm like, this movie isn't even that bad. It's not (laughs) bad. I wouldn't go as far as giving her a Razzie. I thought she was really cute. Yeah. I, I, I do think, um, that some of the reviews I read, like the type A-ness of this character, like, her role in out of sight definitely i feel like she's very strong and like focused helps um helps her in this role and then the softness softness um kind of of the cell it's like a beautiful mashup of those last two roles in a way Mm -hmm. because even though she's like the straight-laced wedding planner who's like very business 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 matthew mcconaughey's character brings out this soft like I want to be in love. I don't want to find love side of her. And um, I think it was done beautifully. I think um, she looks great in the movie. So many beautiful hairstyles and outfits that are very timely for that era. I know we one talked about the purple turtleneck and how great she looked in purple Mm -hmm. and just turtlenecks in general are like her thing I feel like yeah J-Lo can rock a turtleneck like nobody and it's funny I was watching her carpool karaoke before we started recording (laughs) and guess what she's wearing a turtleneck turtleneck. (laughs) you know what I love about that carpool karaoke is when James Corbin like turns to her and is like who's the most famous person in your phone DiCaprio and he's like text him text him and then she says you want to hang out tonight he goes what like club wise boo boo like (laughs) I want to see J-Lo 
and Leonardo DiCaprio at a club so bad. But anyways, I think one one thing I'm really beginning to notice and love about her film acting, maybe the sell aside because there was some like very crazy makeup and theatrical things. We've seen her like as a very soft character and soft in terms of like very light makeup. It's very natural. Um, and it you just you can't you I feel like you can't really go wrong with how you dress her or like put her up in makeup because when she's on the red carpet or when she's doing a music video or performing for the VMAs, she's have she has really heavy stage makeup, big eyelashes and things like that. But for a wedding planner, it was very like blushy and soft and sweet. And she she just looks so fucking pretty in this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Like I think to me, this besides Selena, obviously, this movie is like epitome 2000s j-lo to me mm-hmm. like and it's like the height really of like everything about who she had become at that point so mm-hmm. um we have lighter hair she's no longer like a brunette really anymore at this stage she's got highlights which we commented we on we did nice some like kind of chunky <laughs> Uh, chunky honey kind of highlights which for her I think were not bad but for all the all the young girls trying to mimic the highlights of that that era just a chunky mess <laughs> but um just uh, s- such light colors like pastels very kind of. it's very bridal like kind of similar colors yes. that you would see in like br- like wedding parties Yes, that is that is very true. Even um even um God, what's what's her name? Even Bridget Wilson Sampras's character. What's her name? What's her name? What's her character? Oh, Fran? Fran Donnelly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so even Fran Donnelly's character, I feel like evokes the same like uh color palette, like the gray suit and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Also, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but like the Range Rover, God, like I want, I want that life. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be driving through Napa in a beautiful cashmere, like cream sweater with my fiance. Mm-hmm. And yes, give it to me. But so, how did how do you think this compared to other roles that we've watched so far? I've been waiting to watch this movie in this lineup. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed going through this journey thus far. Um, But when I think of iconic rom-com movies, uh, Wedding Planner, Made in Manhattan, how to lose a guy in 10 days. Like the, those were, those were ones that really stood out to me. And so I was just looking and it's been so long since I've seen this movie. And so it was really fun for me to go back and rewatch it, even though I do think that there were things that were problematic, but (laughs) I liked, I loved, I liked her character. I liked her vulnerability of being, um, someone who is very like good at what she does but that when we see a sneak peek of her life behind the scenes of eating a nice meal and watching Antiques Roadshow, which is perfectly fine <laughs> <laughs> as a single woman to do, um, 
that we see that there's this side of her, which I don't think she felt necessarily incomplete. I think she just was so career driven. She knew what she wanted to do, but then it wasn't until she had had this weird dumpster meet cute that she was like, oh, I'm ready for a second chance at love. Because she had also said as her character that she's seen time and time and again, these relationships not working out. She can predict like if a couple's going to get divorced or if someone, if there's infidelity in there. And I don't know. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, and I love when um, they're picking, like, their song, and she's like, oh, and that song, God, like, awful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So one of the reviews I happened to stumble upon was from the New York Times, and I had to pull it up because I'm like, what was that quote? Because it was really good, and I think it captures really, like, J-Lo's performance in The Wedding Planner. And um, it says that... Well, maybe I should start above here. Mm -hmm. So her greatest skill as an actress and the key to her brain-addling sexiness may be her ability to melt without cracking the hard shell of composure she wears like a perfectly tailored suit. And that's the part that I think that stuck with me and I wanted to look up again because I was like, this is this exactly explains this character and kind of J-Lo too that she has this ability to to be like really focused and sometimes like tough and cutthroat but she also has this ability to be soft and that only adds to like the duality because she could totally be the hot bitchy lady in movies right but most of her roles have this like duality of like she's tough and like very composed but at the same time you see like little peaks through the cracks of this like outer shell and I think this movie is a great opportunity for that to shine yeah I agree she's tough but not in the sense that we've seen her as like a cop tough or um like even even in u-turn where she had some like really kind of more sad and tragic backstory given to her i think that um this was a toughness that had a different kind of depth and meaning behind it because she was stood up she she did kind of experience some misfortune in her love life um but at the same time reveals a softness underneath and i don't think that it was too stereotypical in the sense that like it wasn't trying i personally don't feel like it was trying to play on this sense that this is all what all girls dream about is getting married um because i think as kids we definitely fell for that of yeah this is what you're supposed to do you're supposed to be a girl and you dream of your big beautiful wedding day and your big dress and your groom and your party and all that stuff but um she thought about that as a kid but then realized like oh i'm actually really good at planning weddings and she takes her (laughs) tragedy and mishap and turns it into like being a a co-owner yeah a career a partner 
I will say that one of the things pointed out in some of the reviews was like the flimsiness of her running into her ex-fiance. I do think they could have introduced that earlier. And I think the perfect way Mm -hmm. to have done that was to have her father mention it when he wants to set her up with Massimo Uh to be like, hey, look, I know you had your heart broken before. Like that would have been perfect because the flower scene the flower mark scene, while it is funny and comically, like, you know, like, uh-huh, it also is like, oh, okay. Like, she was engaged before? Like, that would have been nice to know. Yes. So instead of, like, going off of her mother's death and, like, her father wanting to see her married before he dies, not that he's that old, but just that, like, he wants to see his baby daughter grow up and he knows someone that could be potentially a match and he reveals that him and his mother or him and um uh, jennifer lopez mary's mother um were an arranged marriage and so even though it seems like an outdated idea that it could still possibly work that they weren't madly in love with each other at first but then they grew into it and became you know madly in love with one another and so I think if they didn't play so much on that piece and had it more focus on like, I know you've had your heart broken before that this has happened to you, but like you got to get yourself out there and have another chance, just like picking a lane, you know? Which is just like another rom-com trope, to be honest. Yeah, I think it would have worked better though. And I just think you you can't really, you can't separate yourself from the formula. Like rom-coms are formulaic movies, just like, just like action movies are, you know. So in speaking of which, if it's if we're following a particular recipe or something that's a little bit more contrived, maybe I just avoid these types of movies and you can absolutely correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in this year in 2021, we haven't seen too many of those stereotypical recipe factory made rom-com movies. So do you think that it would this movie would hold its own in 2021 and if not like what might you tweak about it to make it be more of a modern twist so i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna quote semi loosely quote jennifer lopez herself because uh, on youtube there is a video of her and matthew mcconaughey talking about the 20th anniversary of the wedding planner and it's a very casual conversation it's just them they're not being interviewed it's just them like facetiming with each other right it's like an instagram live thing yeah yes which i think is awesome because it shows like that they had a great time making this movie and i think they both continuously say that whenever it's brought up is that they enjoyed making it together and had fun and enjoyed each other's company and the fact that they can call each other up and facetime live 20 years later to talk about it is amazing um but jennifer lopez was talking about because matthew I think Matthew McConaughey was wrong because he was in other rom-coms after this, but he was like, yeah, I think the wedding planner was like one of the last like rom-coms really like, you know, there weren't too many at that time. And I'm like, bro, it was only just getting started. (laughs) Right. I I understand like the sleepless in Seattle, the you got males, but you were in how to lose a guy in 10 days, failure to launch fool's gold like 
homeboy you had a career that was pretty much <laughs> rom-coms for a solid chunk so like you think dallas buyers club is what built you no you you have your co-leading ladies of of rom-coms to thank for that yes and the women who went to go see them to thank and yes yeah agree we were like who were swooning over you know dr uh steven edison or mm-hmm. um you know benjamin in how to lose a guy in 10 days but so yeah i just had to point that out but JLo she does say like she loves the rom-com and she thinks that it you know it did die a bit and she wants to see it come back and she's doing one currently i think she's working on one that would come out sometime after this year maybe and she wants to do another one with matthew mcconaughey but i think um i think also matthew mcconaughey mentions he's like with the year that has happened and stuff like that i think people need like just light feel good the happy ending happens type of movies and i think this is the perfect time to bring back romantic comedies and i i agree with that because i feel like we've been in a movie world of in movie and tv world of really gritty hard realistic things and like trying to tell like these really poignant realistic true based on true story stories and i think because of like the sopranos that shift happened you know i think that rom-coms deserve to come back i for one in this panini press have enjoyed watching things that allow me to escape reality and that includes watching old stuff and watching stuff from other countries, watching, not watching, like watching reality TV right now is, is great because it's like woo, other people's problems, but now they're filming through COVID. So a lot of stuff is like talking about COVID or they have masks or they have face shields. Then you're just like, Oh God, this is kind of weird to be reliving this. Mm -hmm. So like they're in early COVID and we're like in vaccination land of COVID, Mm -hmm. but it's like kind of triggering still because it's not over, but we're in a different pl- place, but you're still seeing that. And God, I, there, oh, I don't know if it's a ra- romantic comedy, but there was some COVID based love. Oh, yeah. Movie. It was on like Freeform or. It yeah. Was like and I was just show. like, no, 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 not no. do that. Yeah. And <laughs> I liked your point about what Matthew McConaughey had said in this year's interview about the. 20th anniversary of this film about like how we just I think we owe it to ourselves to kind of bring back something that's a little bit more lighthearted. Um, I think in the past year, I have gravitated towards like things that are more just dumb and funny and kind of mindless. I often say like, I just want to watch a mindless comedy. I want something that's going to make me laugh. I want something that's going to make me tune out. Like I could play a little Candy Crush or something while I'm watching it. So I don't have to give like my full attention. (laughs) Yeah. That being said, like in addition to all the other true crime and like scary stuff that we are watching, I think that this world that we're living in now is true crimey enough that we are almost way too overloaded with scary news, depressing news, things that make us 
sad and angry and hurt and and motivated and hopeless yeah Yeah. but then at the same time so that yeah we do we're looking for something that's a little bit more easygoing um and i do take that back i think the last rom-com that i watched was always be my maybe ali wong's movie oh i i watched that which was cute and so i did in the last one i oh actually does um to all the boys i loved before count that would count i would say yeah yeah, I watched those too because I read the books because <laughs> I'm too old to read those books. But <laughs> I was gonna say, I was like, I have those in my classroom library. <laughs> no shame, but, um, no shame. But yeah, I and you know what? I didn't. I realized while I was listening to you, I did not do while we watched this movie. I did not think like oh that wouldn't happen because of this or why is blah 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 besides like him not divulging that he was engaged and her not clearly being like I'm not engaged to Massimo like we are not engaged yes FYI like don't listen to him this is the truth besides those two things I did not pick apart this movie with like you know realistic expectations I did get lost in just the and I don't know if it's because I've seen it before and just nostalgia helped guide me there where I didn't have to be jaded whereas if I watch a current rom-com I might pick it apart still but actually you know what I feel like you just get lost in these kind of movies and realistic or not you just you want it to be real so you that suspension of disbelief is like high especially as a woman I think I think it's as high as it is for men in action movies where they're like yeah that car would totally make that jump and then (laughs) I could gun a car through the window of a high-rise building into the window of another high-rise building one city block away I could do that in my Dodge Charger said Vin Diesel or like you miraculously are dodging bullets and diving and shooting people spot on like headshots <laughs> like, like Call of Duty. Yes, that is realistic. <laughs> but yeah, so to answer the question long-windedly, it feels like we both agree the rom-com deserves a comeback, especially in this climate. And mm-hmm. we think that it could, that this movie could come back come out and hold up or at least holds up today um I know you asked me if I if this came out today what would I want to see change or stay the same um I think the two things we talked about him divulging that he's engaged and her staunchly being like I'm not engaged to Massimo I don't think that that changing that affects the outcome of the movie i do agree though with someone they mentioned that the fact that they're engaged and they're planning a wedding and she's helping them plan a wedding it makes it hard for you to root for her and dr steve to be together you know like so like in how to lose a guy in 10 days when i just watched it the whole time you're like god you know that they're both like kind of they're playing each other on purpose yeah but at the same time you have like those moments you have the huge moment where she visits his family and kind of like she's like actually yeah and so it's easy to like want like despite it 
coming to a boil at the end wanting them to like no like you guys really like each other though and wanting them to fix it and just and in the wedding planner it's similar like he realizes I can't marry Fran like I'm really into Mary and I want that to I want to figure that out but I feel like part of it because Mary doesn't have that same realization. We didn't get married. Yeah. Um, the person I who have, spoke out at their little civil wedding elopement yes. was her dad. The very yeah. person who's trying to set it up. He's like, uh, I'm sorry. I think I made a mistake. Yes. And Don't then I love it. that Lou Myers like, hell, woo, goddamn, I was going to say something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that was kind of like, reversely, that was Matthew McConaughey's Dr. Steve Edison's like one redeeming quality is that Fran did also have those doubts because there was a moment where Fran went to Mary's office and was like, I don't think I could go through with it. I don't think like I've only I'm going to this is the one man I'm going to sleep with for the rest of my life. And I realized I don't like the way he grinds his teeth and does this and that and that. And yeah. I think those are like natural like what if i think everyone gets a little nervous before the wedding but like to actually have doubts is something that's very different i don't feel like anyone should have doubts hopefully before they get married um but that was what excused matthew mcconaughey to be like i'm sorry fran i gotta go explore this like if she was legitly like i think about i was thinking about this actually on our drive when you and i saw each other (laughs) this afternoon (laughs) this morning about I thought about the movie Enchanted, um, Disney's movie Enchanted, and how Idina Menzel's character legitly loved Dr. McDreamy, Dr. McSteamy. I don't know his real name. Patrick Dempsey. Thank you. Patrick Dempsey's character. Like she really wanted to be in his life and get invested with his daughter. And then he falls in love with Giselle. <laughs> and then Giselle like is looking for Edward falls out of love with Edward and back in love with Patrick Dempsey's character. And then like poor Edward and Idina Menzel at the end of the movie, James Marsden, whatever. And Idina Menzel are both kind of like- James Marsden, I was getting the short end of the stick. Put him in a romantic comedy and make it work. James Marsden would be great. I think he's so dopey and cute. And like, so they just kind of look at each other and they're like, all right, like, I guess we can make this work. And like, he takes her into the cartoon world. So like, I think about that movie and I'm like, you know what, Patrick Dempsey, like, fuck you. Like that was really cheap (laughs) and really shitty. And like, you owe it to your girlfriend of X amount of years and fiance of X amount of years to like, owe her some kind of explanation. So it'd be one thing if Idina had some kind of doubts like Fran did where she came in and she was like, actually, I don't know, is this a good idea? And then like Mary gives her that pep yeah. talk. But then um, but then on the day of the wedding, Dr. Steve Eddie goes to see Fran as soon as she's getting ready. And he's like, let's go for a walk. And they both kind of like talk each other out of it and come to a place of mutual decision and mutual agreement that like yeah we're probably rushing into these things rather than being like i'm sorry fran i don't love you i gotta go take a taxi to go find this other lady i i do respect that they had a conversation about it yeah i think that I would change that it would be Fran who wanted to talk to him because she was yes it would be her decision Yes. And I think when we were watching it, I was like, oh man, if only she was the one who like was the issue because then it's not on 
him solely being like, oh, he fell in love with the wedding planner. But to be fair, if she went to him first and had said like, I'm sorry, I don't think this is going to work. He'd be like, oh, okay. And then use that as his opportunity to like sneak out and not say anything. So I do appreciate the fact that he was very open about like, I don't think this is right. I, I, I mean, I still think they could have had the conversation. Like she wouldn't just be like, look, I'm, I can't do this. I'm bouncing. See you. And then he's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I guess I could head to city hall in time. <laughs> like, I do think that if they still had the conversation and he was like, yeah, I think you're right. like the same, just reversed. It might be a little more, you're like, yes, rooting for like him to be able to make it to Mary. Yeah. Um, almost like, almost like Meredith Blake in, in Parent Trap. Or I'm thinking of the, the Olsen twin movie, It Takes Two, when, oh yeah. when their dad was going to get married to that one person. And then, um, Christy Alley, Christy like, Alley. bursts in. <laughs> I gotta rewatch that. Man, it's been a while. But yeah, I just, I feel like that was a little anticlimactic in like yeah. being like, you gotta get her. Like, so I would, I would want to change that a bit. Um, I do agree with like adding more funny parts about wedding planning in there. Um, I think would be funny. I don't know how you do that without detracting from the romance part of it. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I would change very much about this movie. I just, I do think that it would be very unrealistic for 2021. And yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. So a lot of couples have had to put their weddings off due to COVID. So what if they had something where they realized that they're engaged and they were supposed to get married on a certain date, but then had to defer their wedding, like not even months, but like years away. And then in that time, they realize that they like can't, that they're not compatible. I mean, that's more of like a sad movie. I don't know where the comedy would be in that, but that's like, that's the only thing that I can think of in terms to like fit that motif for 2021. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, yeah, it could, it could be remade and still hold its own. Um, So let's talk about the trailer for The Wedding Planner. Okay. Uh, Well, like many trailers in this time, um, it doesn't necessarily give the whole plot away, but we do know, I mean, we know how usual rom-coms are going to end up. Um, The trailer has the um, dumpster moment with the dumpster running downhill, Matthew McConaughey saving her. Um, In that intro, that synopsis that Bria gave us earlier uh, that she got online was almost essentially what the what the what the trailer gives us we get um some of the most comedic moments and then we almost we also get some very sweet moments in there as well i don't remember seeing the trailer i'm sure i did i'm sure it played on tv i'm sure it aired before other movies that i saw during this time but i don't remember the trailer as much as like the anaconda trailers that were really big it's the tv like kind of commercial spot like promoting i'm not sure if maybe by now it's like the dvd or something but promoting the movie and love don't cost a thing is the music in the tv spot so that's why i was like did you did you see this tv spot because it's amazing um 
the trailer gives away so much like even mm-hmm. the dumpster like meet cute and all that stuff and I will say it didn't deter like I don't feel like I would be deterred because on a romantic level like you're like oh like oh, I want to see that mm-hmm. like you don't care that you know most of like what happens you're just like oh my god I yes give me all the feels like mm-hmm. sign me up mm-hmm. I'm ready for some tears in my popcorn and a little extra salt never hurt <laughs> <laughs> so unlike other movies I don't feel like it is a detriment to the trailer I think for rom-coms it works well to give like a good part of the story and the plot because we're still going to be suckers who want to see like what happens (laughs) right and I think I think you know what you're getting yourself into when you see a rom-com versus like blood and wine out of sight like when we have these action yeah we have these more like action-packed movies we want that bit of mystery in there but with rom-com there's not a lot of mystery like you know the boy and the girl are gonna end up together probably at least in this time it's formulaic so you're right yeah totally i don't care i just i just want to be along for the ride and live vicariously through these people these really really good looking actors yes who, who are falling fake in love (laughs) and i know when when you and i watched this as soon as the ending credits came on with my love don't cost a thing comes on we both were like (gasps) like we both got very excited and then when i was reading reviews about this it wasn't so much about it wasn't so much legitimate movie review like credible movie reviewers it was more just like people's basic opinions like you and i but some people like really shit on this movie because they felt like it was a uh, just an excuse to promote the JLo album, which I don't. Th- I mean, you put one song in there, okay, but movie snack mm-hmm. and cocktail. Mm-hmm. We kind of talked about this while we watched, so. Um, but do share with our two people <laughs> audience. <laughs> With my mom and the other person that's listening to this, um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, our movie cocktail or our snack for sure would be M and M's, um, but only the brown ones because supposedly, you know, since chocolate is already brown, there's less artificial coloring in it. Which I read something that kind of disproved his theory that yes. had said like, well, actually, lighter colored chocolate. Because it, when you have an M and M, like a peanut M and M or a regular M and M, it's 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 candy coated, it's sugar coated, it's not coated by another layer of chocolate. And lighter colors like orange and yellow and red, maybe not so much red, but like orange, yellow, and green, take less artificial coloring for those lighter ones than a darker color like a red or a brown. So shame on you, Steve. You should have known that as a pediatrician. <laughs> yeah, doctor. okay um but yeah peanut m&ms for sure probably just the brown ones for the sake of going through the motif of this movie um and then for my cocktail i'm going with something classic that you get at a wedding like champagne oh that oh that's a good point and then for my snack uh, we were thoroughly impressed with as simone noted in her intro with massimo's craft mac and cheese uh-huh. so we were we were making that for snack dinner whatever for this movie and i agree with your your movie cocktail i think something 
classy and simple like champagne or maybe i'll say prosecco um, bring it bring it a little up to speed a little sparkling rosé perhaps you know pretty white in color mm-hmm. um would be would be my cocktail and and then we could make really bad like bridesmaids fake bridesmaids test <laughs> um how many pumps of butter are we giving the wedding planner? I would give this a solid, I would give this a solid three and a half pumps of butter. I wouldn't go for a jumbo bucket of popcorn for this one. I'd go with a, a modest medium for this, even though I would definitely still finish the bag with a medium. Even though it's not my favorite rom-com, if I have a favorite rom-com, it's actually How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. But I still think that there's some of this that can hold up to today. It still made me laugh and maybe giggle. I had a good time watching it with you. Um, And so for this, I would get a solid medium popcorn with three, three and a half pumps of butter. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, too, and especially watching it so closely after uh, The Wedding Planner. I was mm-hmm. like, this just did everything right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this movie's super nostalgic to me, so part of me wants to give it, like, four pumps of butter and a half, just a little extra squirt for nostalgia. Just a little... <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, just a little extra tap on the pump, just to be <laughs> sure. <laughs> um for nostalgia and just like feel goodery and epicness of this time period for Jennifer Lopez Mm -hmm. I also just want to know before we leave this movie kind of in her conversation with Matthew McConaughey she mentioned that this movie kind of has a bit of like some awesome hist like historical record thing and that she's in the Guinness Book of World Records because she's the only actress to have the number one movie and a number one album that is not a soundtrack for the movie because I was like really like Cher, Bette Midler, Barbara Streisand, Whitney Houston, really? But um, I noted, and we'll I, we will talk about this more in the mini episode for sure. But I noted that J Lo really hadn't done music simultaneously for her movies, and yes, Love Don't Cost a Thing is shoehorned in the credits and in a TV spot. But that is impressive because despite her making a movie she was also able to successfully make an album that was able to achieve like simultaneously number one success yeah that's a really good fun fact I had no I did not know that at all so that's awesome yes so with that I will leave Um, (laughs) all right well Bria do you want to send us out here Yes. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And to the people who stuck with us so far, please, please don't give up on us. Please stick with us for another episode of the great value version of Inside the Actor's Studio. But seriously, y'all, if you like us enough to stick around, take another deep dive down this IMDb rabbit hole with us as we discuss our next movie to discuss will be Angel Eyes. But stay tuned for a special mini episode 
episode as uh, Bria and I discuss the general pop culture, music career, and personal life of Jennifer Lopez. And on that note, if you've got nothing better to do, go figure out a theme to watch a bunch of movies you've never seen. <laughs> I'm your host, Simone. And I'm your host, Bria. And this has been another episode of Roll Call. Roll Call. <laughs> and cut. That line always makes me laugh so hard. I wonder by the end of this if we become polished enough that we can become like the regular like store brand <laughs> version. <laughs>